welcome to To Grow Good, a podcast of conversion stories, to share encounters with a living God, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and He wants to meet you too. My name is Rachel Smith, and I'm your host. Now let's start growing some good. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of To Grow Good. I hope your Tuesday is just off to the best start and you're enjoying, at least where I am, the weather is breaking a little bit and you can feel that little bit of fall coming in and it feels really great. Um, I am so excited this week to be bringing you the conversion story of Erin McColl Cup. It is an incredible journey of healing, restoration, pain, but so much beauty at the same time. Um, and I love how she's just so open and bold about where she's been and what she's experienced and how finding God, finding Christ, finding the sacraments and the church and all the truths to be found within it is what really brought healing and change into her life and totally flipped it. Um, she journeyed from in high school being an atheist, a hardcore atheist, then slowly becoming an agnostic and getting actually involved into the occult and new age practices um, until eventually she was encountered by God and brought into the fullness of truth in Christianity and the Catholic Church. It is such an amazing journey, and I cannot wait to get into it. However, before we do, I have something really, really, really exciting to share with you all. We are doing something new, okay? I have created something just for you. One of the most common questions that I've gotten um, since starting to grow good is how do I begin? How do I begin with a relationship with God? Where do I go? How do I pick up the Bible? You know, it's so intimidating. I feel scared to pick it up. I'm not sure where to begin. And whenever I try, it just feels so dead and boring and my eyes just glaze over or whenever I'm in mass or at church, I just I hear the words, but they just don't seem to be penetrating my heart or um, really be speaking to me in any way. And I have heard you. I've heard you and I've had something placed on my heart for months and months now, but it's finally the time. The time is right to launch this and get this going with all of you. And I'm so excited. So we are going to be doing something new. It is called Scripture Seed Sessions. So if any of those questions apply to you, maybe you're someone who knows the Lord, you've been walking with the Lord for decades, for years, um, but you have not yet cultivated a relationship with him in his word. You're not sure how to approach scripture or how to go about praying with scripture or using it as a tool and a jumping off point for intimate, daily, personal, unique, dynamic conversation with God. Or maybe you're someone that is interested in God. You're interested, you're curious, 
in all these things, but you're not really sure what to make about religion or Bible or the Catholic church or anything in general, this is made for you, my friend, wherever you are. And no matter what your relationship with God might look like right now, scripture seed sessions are for you. Um, I have designed a program that will be four consecutive weeks long. So there'll be four one hour sessions um, and each session will be covering a different topic to help you transition and develop and create this dynamic relationship with God using his word as a jumping off point for intimate conversation with him. So we'll begin by me sharing my own journey, how I came to know the Lord how I met him so tangibly in his word, and then how the Holy Spirit taught me to use his word as a jumping off point for intimate and personal dynamic conversation that not only lives on the page, but then jumps off into your daily life, your encounters, what you're seeing, who you're meeting, these circumstances that are, that are happening. And we're going to talk about how that happened for me, and then how to begin to do this in your own life. So the next three weeks will be all about how to implement it. Beginning with what even is scripture? How do we know what it is? How do we know that it can be trusted? How do we know um, that it is the word of God? And then we'll talk about why is scripture dynamic? How do we know it's alive? How can it interact with my daily life? And then we'll go into how to use scripture in prayer to connect with your loving creator, the lover of your soul in such a personal and unique way that won't look exactly like the next person or the person beyond that. It will look unique and different for every single person that's part of this session with us. And I'm so excited for this journey. Um, I'm excited to meet women wherever you are and uh, introduce this way of praying with scripture as a conversation with God, because that's truly all it is, a conversation with God. St. Teresa of Avila taught me that. St. Teresa of Avila, pray for us, pray for all these women that sign up for these scripture seeds. I'm asking you right now. <laughs> all right. So do you want to be part of this? Do you want to be part of this journey as we dive into scripture together and learn what it is, maybe for the first time ever, maybe it'll be the first time you're ever opening the Bible. Maybe you don't own one and you'll buy it just for this. Who knows? I'm so excited to see what the Lord has in store, but I'm inviting you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared. Don't be nervous. Whatever age you are, whatever background you have, whether you're Catholic or a believer of some kind, or whether you're agnostic or an atheist that's just curious to learn more, you are welcome in these scripture seed sessions. So you can now sign up um, at the link uh, in today's episode. You can just scroll on down and it's right there to sign up. Um, and signups are open through September 30th. So from now until September 30th, we'll be um, accepting anybody who want to, wants to join us on this journey. And then the first sessions will begin October 13th. Upon enrollment, you will gain access to a private Facebook group where all of our sessions will take place and you'll be able to meet all the other women and we'll be able to share things about our journey and our life and why we're here. Um, and then we'll dive into the sessions for four weeks 
And you will also be partnered with a scripture seed sister who will accompany you along the way throughout the four weeks to encounter God in his word. So we'll not only be talking about all these things, we'll be putting them into practice that you can begin to cultivate this regular habit in your life. By the end of the four weeks, I can guarantee that you are never going to encounter scripture the same way again. Sign up now, the link in today's episode description. I'm so excited and I'm already praying for all the women that sign up for this session and go through this journey with us. I'm really, really looking forward to it. There are also a couple ways for discount codes. Um, so on Thursday of this week, so if you hop on our email list right now, on Thursday, I'm going to be sending out a discount code for all email subscribers. So you will get a discount on your um, on your sign up for Scripture Seed Sessions. And of course, if you are a Branches of the Vine member, you will also receive a discount code um, for these Scripture Seed Sessions if you'd like to join us. I am so looking forward to this new adventure and all that the Holy Spirit and the Lord have in store for us and all these women that will be signing up for these. All that being said, moving on, the other update I wanted to give is the bonus episode for August went out. Thank you for all those that listened and reached out just about my journey of coming off of birth control after 10 years, how I learned what birth control was doing to my body um, and the beauty of natural family planning and fertility awareness and how it made me just love being a woman and the mystery that comes with it and the gift that it is to be a woman learning about the natural rhythms and the cycles of your body and how to track your unique bodily indicators every month to tell when you are fertile. It's amazing. And I love to talk about it with women. So thank you for all that reached out. I hope that you enjoyed the bonus episode um, this week. And then for September, the bonus episode, I'm really excited about this one. It's again been on my heart for a long time. I will be sharing my journey of how the Lord used near-death experiences along my journey to bring me closer to him, closer to the truth and closer to the church. Um, I'll be sharing what it was about the hundreds of near-death experiences that I've listened to that um, really broke open my heart and led me closer to the Lord and the truths that the church teaches that are found within near-death experiences. Um, obviously, you know, you take them all with a grain of salt because it's someone's personal experience that they're sharing. Um, they could be making it up, but when you listen to enough of them, there is a general trend and all those general trends directly coincide and align with what the church tells us about what will happen when we die. So I cannot wait to jump into this. I love listening to narrative experiences. I think they're fascinating. Um, and so if you are someone who's interested in those, this bonus episode, you're going to love. <laughs> so if you want to gain access to that, you can, um, Sign up to support our mission over here at To Grow Good. If you love everything we're doing and you believe in the mission of conversion stories and sharing these stories of encounter with God, with the world, um, this show is supported by your donations. It's just me doing this. So if you want to sign up to help for the price of just one ice latte a month, $5 a month, you can do so in exchange for the bonus episodes and all sorts of free gifts and behind the scenes stuff. You can learn all about that at togrowgood.com support 
or patreon.com slash to grow good. And both of those links are right in the episode description. So if you scroll on down, you'll see how you can join us in Branches of the Vine. All right. Now, with all of that being said, so many exciting things going on here. Can't wait to journey with you into Scripture Seed sessions and this next bonus episode for Branches of the Vine community members. Um, but let's move into our conversion story for this week. This is um, an incredible journey. As I said, we have Erin McCole Cup, who is a Catholic wife, mother, lay Dominican, writer, and author. Um, her latest book, All Things New, Breaking the Cycle and Raising a Joyful Family, was just recently released. And it's all about just diving into the wounds that you have from your upbringing and from um, maybe your parents or your family life or even your friends from young age and how to bring those to Christ for healing and redemption so that we can break the patterns moving forward. And I just love everything about this and her book and everything about her own journey and how she felt the call to write a book like this. Um, I'm, I'm just so inspired by her boldness and sharing her, her brokenness and what happened and also the healing and redemption that she was able to get through Christ. It's so powerful and it's helping so many others. I'm just so moved and touched by everything that she is doing. Erin um, was raised in a Catholic family, but uh, the way that they were brought up. The faith was something that happened outside the home at other buildings, but it wasn't really brought into the home itself. Uh, because of this, there was this distance with the faith, uh, not really fully letting it penetrate or able to penetrate her heart. Um, but by the time, so by the time she reached high school, she became a militant atheist uh, and then eventually, I'll let her obviously share her journey, but eventually she became an agnostic and started getting involved with the occult um, and new age practices. Um, and it wasn't until a series of events happened in her life that she found herself um, investigating all different sorts of ideologies and religions. And she was led uh, to encounter the Lord and led into the fullness of truth in, into Catholicism. So without any other delay, I will let Erin share her personal journey of how she came to know the Lord and how he led her into his church. Enjoy my friends. Erin, hello, welcome to the show. Hey, Rachel, thank you so much for having me on. It's so good to see you. I am so excited that you're here and that you're joining us to share your story with us today. Um, but yeah, could you just start us out by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and what you do now? I would love to. So my name's Erin McCole Cup. I'm a wife, a mom, and I'm also a lay Dominican. Um, I'm also a survivor of childhood abuse and developmental trauma. And I have um, a book coming out and it's called all Things New, Breaking the Cycle, and Raising a Joyful Family. And um, it's, my story is, my, my, my reversion story is tied in very much with my journey to heal from my painful childhood. So yeah, that's, that is, that is I. 
That's amazing. Yeah, I I really can't wait to hear um, just, yeah, what led, you, what led you to want to write that book and to help others uh, that maybe have journeyed through either similar or, or other challenges and struggles in their life, especially in their childhood. Um, so yeah, let's let's dive into your story. Could you maybe start us out by um, walking us through your journey a little bit in the faith, maybe how you grew up and if you grew up in any religion or what your relationship was like to God. Um, and then I, we love to ask, you know, if there was a moment that you can remember when you encountered God at a more personal level and started to realize that, that he was there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was raised Catholic. Um, I had a, a grandmother who was very devout um, and who, you know, introduced me to a lot of faith practices when I was very small. But um, then, you know, I grew, you know, got to school age, wasn't spending as much time with her. And um, I did go to Catholic school for 13 years. That includes kindergarten. And, um, you know, our family generally did go to Sunday mass, but that's kind of where the faith stopped. It was in in other buildings kind of thing, not in my home. Um, the other challenge was that um, I was, you know, being emotionally and um, verbally and sexually abused in my home. Mm. And so as I, you know, got older, got to be about a teenager, I kind of got the sense that there was something wrong. I got the sense that there was something very, you know, painful about being myself, being me. And so I sort of turned that to if there is a God and he's good, I wouldn't feel so bad. I was intermittently suicidal. I was depressed. I had trouble making friends. Um, and so by high school, I was a pretty angry atheist. However, towards the end of high school, I had sort of developed this nice vanilla, I'm spiritual, not religious agnosticism, which was very you know, hip and cool in the late um, 80s, early 90s. And um, so I, that's what I brought with me to college. Now, um, keep in mind, I was still going to mass <laughs> with my family and sometimes even without them every Sunday, um, basically because it was really superstition. I'm not going to lie. Speaking of superstition along this path in high school, I fell into the occult as well. Wow. Um, so I read palms and tarot cards for money. Um, it, you know, it, making modest sums at, you know, cast parties and at the lunch table at, at my Catholic school. Ah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my story. That's, you know, that part of that story. And I get to, I get to college and I was a theater major and I got cast in a play in a part where the, the character was awakening to memories of child being abused as a child. And I remember the first night that we blocked that scene. Blocking is when you, um, the director tells everybody where to stand and where to go. Because <laughs> um, so, it's more than just the lines that are being memorized. So the night that we, you know, worked that scene the first time, um, I, I basically had a breakdown in front of the entire cast of my peers. And I was just like, totally shocked. Like, what on earth is this? What is going on? So I remember going home, back to my dorm room that night and just like curling up under that, uh, a quilt that was made by that devout grandmother that I mentioned earlier, just staring at the wall and thinking, okay, I don't know what this is, but God or whatever you are, I want to know the truth. Whatever is going on with me, whatever you are, 
I just want to know the truth because all I know right now is what I don't know. And it's terrifying. So lead me to the truth. Now that was, um, wanting to know the truth about why I was reacting so drastically to this, um, this triggering memory, basically a triggering event of that scene. But also I wanted to know the truth about, you know, God, like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Um, you know, why did all of these painful, why am I having all of this pain? What does it all mean? Now, the funny thing is if you ask um, a lot of reverts and converts, um, if they went looking for the truth, they, they usually end up, if you go looking for the truth, you end up Catholic. <laughs> it just seems to be a pattern. If you want a nice, you know, community, you'll end up non-denominational. If you want to look smart, you're going to be an atheist or an agnostic. But if you want the truth, you end up Catholic. And that's where I ended up. But it wasn't a quick journey. It wasn't like the next morning I, you know, started going back to church or something. Um, I kind of like thought that, okay, I want the truth. The chances of me being you know, born and raised in the faith that's the truth are just statistically really slim. So I've got to go looking around. So I looked at, I really thought at the beginning of this whole journey that I was going to end up Buddhist or Wiccan. Um, wow. And so I was looking into all of those things, especially because I was still attached to the occult at the time. And, you know, as I'm going through this journey, I had heard in high school, my Catholic high school, that um, if you're going through a tough time, the Psalms can be really comforting. So I did still have a Bible and I was reading through the Psalms. And that sort of led me deeper into considering Christianity. And so by that, you know, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of high of college, excuse me, um, I was definitely leaning Christian because the whole idea of the metaphor of God offering himself as this living metaphor for our sin and our salvation, that was something I could buy. So I'm like, okay, all right, nobody likes Christians, but I, like, I can't deny this. So I guess I'm Christian. Okay, God, I'll be Christian. That's fine. As long as you don't make me Catholic, because everybody hates <laughs> Catholics. So <laughs> I keep going along and, you know, I, I met some, uh, you know, some Catholic friends along the way at, at the Catholic Campus Community Center, because also keep in mind, so I'm going to Christian fellowship meetings. I couldn't bring myself to go to any of the Sunday church services. The Catholic Campus Ministry Center was on campus. So I'm still going to Catholic mass through all of this, wow. right? Crazy. Um, so, you know, a few more months go by and I'm doing some, you know, reading and studying and praying. And like my big problems with Catholicism were the Pope, the Eucharist and Mary. But the Pope was kind of the first thing to fall apart because for me, um, not that the Pope fell apart, but my, you know, doubts about the Pope was the were the first things to go away because, you know, I was a theater major at the time. My life was plays. And I kind of got this sense that like, you know, God's design for the world is the script and every script has a director. It's not the director is God. The director is, you know, the person who, you know, tells people where to stand and when to leave and when to go and et cetera, et cetera. So like, okay, I can buy the Pope. That makes sense. Um, Eucharist, eh, bread, Jesus, not so, not really getting that one because at this time, up until that point, I didn't even know that the, I was one of those, you know, people raised Catholic who I had no idea that that was anything. I thought the highlight of the mass, not the highlight, the high point of the mass was the homily. I didn't know it was the Eucharist. 
Wow. I had no idea. So, you know, so somebody along the way in my college group um, pointed out that like that, no, that's actually Jesus. That's, that's the point of mass. I'm like, oh, okay. And that sort of fell in, flew, flowed into if God can offer himself as a metaphor that's so real, then why can't he offer himself to us as a metaphor that's so real that it's the Eucharist, that it's actual food for us? Like, okay, I'll buy that. So the last thing was like, okay, this whole Mary thing, uh, because my deepest wound, I don't know if you can measure them, <laughs> would be my mother wound. Um, I had a hard time with the idea of holding up a, a woman as perfect. Um, not, you know, I, I was okay with a, a man who is also God. I was okay with the divine um, human natures, dual nature, but a human woman being held up as perfect, it just bothered me because it, it's so, so many times telling my trauma story. When I tell somebody that, you know, I was abused by my mother, the first thing I get is your mother, mothers don't mm -hmm. abuse. And so I just, the, the whole like holding Mary up with that type of honor um, didn't seem realistic to me. It just didn't, it didn't fit. So I just kind of like, all right, God, if that's something you want me to understand, you're going to have to break down that wall because I can't do it myself. And he did in the strangest way possible because there is this on, by the way, big screaming recommendation. Don't read that book if you're trying to improve your faith. I don't know why God used this book for me, but that's just how it worked. It's one of the most anti-Catholic books out there. Wait, Erin, sorry, you cut out when you said the name of the book. Oh, okay. The book is called The Mists of Avalon. Okay. It is a um, retelling of the Arthurian legends from the point of view of the women. And it is the most anti-Catholic book possibly in existence. And I'm reading this book. And at the end, there was just this scene where, you know, they're talking about the mother goddess in front of the statue of Mary and, you know, the book ends. And I just remember shutting the book and I heard, not heard a voice, but like, I kind of felt this voice from God speaking to me. And this doesn't happen a lot, by the way, it's just this, you know, one of those moments of God saying to me, I am your father. Do you think for one minute I would leave you without a mother? And as soon as I felt that, I'm like, oh crap, I'm Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, this is this is just inescapable. I I can't wow. I can't deny the truth. Like I'm I, I have a degree in theater, but as actors go, I am the worst liar in the world. I'm just not very good at it because it the 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 you know, I'm so uncomfortable with lack of truth, I guess, just because I lived with it for so many years that now that I've lived without it, it's so much freer to not have to worry about lies. It's really so much freer. So that was the point. I'm like, all right, I'm all in. And I guess the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> did, you dive, did you dive in? Like, did you start going to mass or were oh, you, yeah. you were I was, going to mass but then was, like confession and the mm -hmm. adoration I'm sure you must have like loved adoration I feel like I threw myself into Catholic campus ministry I be, went on the retreat team I went to daily mass I was receiving Eucharist almost daily um I was 
you know, a lector in the choir and in, uh, you know, this, that, the other, wow. helping with uh, the RCIA. And just, you know, after I graduated, I um, wor did work as an actress for a time. And then I got a job as a Catholic youth minister. Um, yeah, so it's been, it has been all in ever since, all wow. in ever since. That's crazy. That is so wild. I love, I think I love the most about how you told it. It was so like, I don't know. It was like almost compartmentalizing each stage of it, but then like how they all were connecting. And that's what I love about the truth. Like, it's like, and I love how you even said, you're like, I can't get away. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it seems like everything, even reading like a, the most anti-Catholic book somehow still points to the truth in a weird way, not directly, but like the Lord can use that to show you how absurd kind of another view is. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Some, I felt like that yeah. too in my own conversion too. It was like the more that I came to know the truth, the more that I, when I was exposed to things that were not the truth, they started to really seem like ridiculous or like they made no sense because it's just like, but what about all these other things that are pointing to this? Like it's, and, and eventually all the puzzle pieces almost like connect and you're just like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it yeah. really is like a mirage. Like when you like see it one way and then you see it the other way and like, you can never stop seeing it that way. Cause you're just like, now I can see like how this all makes sense. And yeah, there's, there's that cliche of what has, you know, what has been seen cannot be unseen, but I mean, it's a cliche for a reason because it's true. I mean, once you've, once I have seen the truth, once you have seen the truth, it's like, you know, whenever there's something that's untrue, it's like a pebble in your shoe. Mm -hmm. You got to get it out. You don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have a couple like follow-up questions on your story, if that's okay, but absolutely. Um, wow. So you like, you went from being atheist at one point to then calling out to God after this moment where it, I think it sounds like things really came to head and you started realizing the the pain that was there and almost, I feel like the, it was a gift from the Lord, almost that scene that you were there in that moment, in that scene, as hard as it was, it, it's what opened up your journey to seeking the truth. And then I, I hope we get to this after, but then to hopefully seeking healing. Oh, absolutely. All, <laughs> all the trauma that you had been experiencing. And so I really almost like, I love to sometimes I like try to put myself through the eyes of God, like trying to give you that gift of like, I don't want you to hold this anymore. Like, I want you to like see the truth of what has happened and, and to start to seek healing and then to seek me, to be able to like experience me and the truth. Um, is that what you felt like in that moment? Is that how you kind of like see it as like that opening moment that really like as hard as it was opened up this whole journey of seeking and healing? Well, I, when I've given talks about my reversion story before, I often say that um, it was very much like running from a bear, finding, oh, here's a nice cave where I can hide from the bear. And it turns out it's the bear's den. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much what it felt like because I'd been hiding in theater 
you know, I want to say my whole life. It was all of 18 years, but still, you know, at the time when you're 18, 18 years feels like a long time. Um, I had been hiding in all of these other roles from who I really was that, you know, God knew it's sort of like in, in the garden of Eden, he, you know, Adam and Eve, they go and hide. And when God, whenever God asks us a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. (laughs) He's not an idiot. He knows the answer already. He wants us to hear the answer. He wants us to hear how we answer. And so it was like, you know, God asking Adam and Eve in the garden after the fall, where are you? Where are you? You know, I, you know, with my own image of earthly father, I always had imagined that God was like, where are you? This big angry voice. When really it was just, he's seeking us. Right. You know, where are you? And so that for me, that was my, where are you moment that, you know, I'm hiding in a cave and this cave turned out to be really dangerous. Now what? Yeah. (laughs) Because he doesn't want us to hide in caves. He wants us to be out in the open in, in the garden with him. Yeah. I'm fully alive. Wow. That was so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so, yeah. So then how did this lead to your book eventually? But like, I mean, I mean, walk us through like what, I mean, it sounds like you then dove into Catholicism, which is amazing, but you know, I'm knowing the Lord, he, he probably was even more interested in your heart and that healing that he wanted to bring about uh, for you. And um, what a journey that must have been. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's a lifelong process, but do you want to just share? Yeah, a little bit of what that was like and how he yeah. worked to help you in that. Absolutely. Um, it's not an, a neat and tidy, pretty journey, um, which I hope that information helps people like understand when you have a hard time finding the help you need it's not your fault. Okay. Um, I, over the course of nearly two decades, went through more therapists than I could possibly count trying to find somebody um, who could hear my story, even just hear my story, um, much less help me. There were many, many years where I just stopped trying because it was just, you know, invalidation after invalidation from trained mental health professionals. Um, in that time, you know, I've read as many self-help books as I could, uh, was I'm very grateful to my experience with Catholic campus ministry um, during this period, my initial conversion, reversion period, because they are the people who taught me, who gave me that experience of being heard and seen and loved uh, for, as I am and gave me experience of hearing and seeing and loving others. Um, so that was the the root experience that, you know, God gave me to help me through all of these years of not finding the right help and um, relying on, you know, other some compulsive behaviors. Um, I was a compulsive overeater for a very long time. Um, and God was patient with me in that too. Uh, thanks be to him. During that time, I did regularly pray, okay, God, I know you have a therapist out there who can help me. And I'm going to pray for this person. And 
you know, thankfully God led me to that person. And if I could just put in a little like PSA for a second, um, if any of anyone who is listening um, is, you know, in a similar situation, having a hard time finding a therapist, finding the help that you need, number one, pray, pray for your therapist, for your future therapist. And number two, when you find somebody like research therapists go you know find recommendations and then call that person and interview that person first and ask the tough questions mm -hmm. um because a lot of times since I've, I've got a history of you know having been sexually abused trying to find a therapist who is also um sees my catholic faith as a plus and not an unhealthy reaction mm -hmm. was really hard um so I, I had you know i my, my most recent, my current therapist, when I, you know, called him, I'm like, okay, what do you know about theology of the body? Yes. And, you <laughs> know, great, rattled great. stuff off. I'm like, okay, <laughs> when can I get in to see you? <laughs> and that was, uh, golly, two and a half years ago. So um, God, God will provide when the time is right. It's just, it's so hard to be patient, but it's the waiting is a gift too. Yeah. Yeah. I love what the you waiting said. is part of the story. Yeah. I love what you said about just relationships and how he used those to kind of teach you right relationship of being seen and known and loved and accepted and vice versa, like how to pro properly love. Um, and yeah, theology, of the body is so healing. I mean, it's amazing. When were you introduced to that, that, that teaching? <laughs> you remember the theology, of the body. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Cause it's so funny. Um, it's kind of weird. All right. So, um, you know, rewinding back to high school. Yes, I did go to a Catholic high school. It was not a heretical Catholic high school. And we did have, you know, a couple chastity speakers come in. And even though I didn't believe in God at the time, the chastity message, while it wasn't delivered very fully, the basics were there. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to have a relationship with somebody where my heart and mind and soul aren't honored as well as my body. So you know, I, I was okay with that. And then I think it was two, when my first um, fiction book came out in 2006, I was like trying to do, <laughs> this is how old I am, MySpace. Uh -huh. If you've ever even heard of MySpace, my young friend, um, <laughs> trying to, you know, find things, you know, people that I could connect with to, you know, help market my book. And I just, that was the first time I saw the term theology, the body. And when I saw it, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what that is it's, you know, the metaphor, it's the metaphor of that's, that is flesh. And, you know, through the years, I, you know, just have read more and more and like, yep, that makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, you know, that yeah. was my introduction to theology of the body. Just as soon as I read the the words, I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. Yep, I mean, I can, that. I can imagine that that is just really healing to, it was really healing to encounter that teaching because it's so it embodies so much of yeah the human person and seeing someone fully as who they are and the meaning of love like what we were created for and I know when I when I was introduced to that I was like oh my gosh this is this is it's, it was so clear to me my heart that this was truth I was just it it just like sung to my heart and it was after years for me of being away from the faith or really knowing much about the faith, like you were saying, I can totally relate, like growing up Catholic, not really knowing a lot of things about deeper truths about the faith. And then 
to be introduced to that, I was like, wow, just blown right. away. Like, where has this been all my life? It was so, it was so good. And just to dive into that. Um, but so what got you to write the book? What made you want to write the book? I mean, what inspired that? Do you feel like God was nudging you into wanting to write the book? I don't know how. Well, yeah, um, it was, it was literally an email. <laughs> um, I, like I said, I have, been, I've been writing fiction for quite some time. Um, and I had started doing a weekly Eucharistic adoration a few years ago. And at one point, I like in adoration, I had this idea, like, you know, somebody should write a book about um, healing from, as a parent, from our own poor experience of having been parented from like a Catholic perspective, because I've gotten so much from the Beatitudes, especially the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so I just wrote it in my prayer journal. And um, it was weeks or months later, I got an email from a colleague in the Catholic Writers Guild who worked for OSV. And she's like, you know, I know you write fiction. Do you happen to have any nonfiction ideas you could send us? And I'm like, oh, well, funny enough, I do. <laughs> and I actually had two other ideas that were bopping around. So I'm like, all right, here, here are three. You know, any of them, you know, tickle your fancy. And and all th the book that eventually became All Things New is the one that, you know, they they responded to. And I really believe that um, my little V vocation as a writer is God's, yeah, God serves others through my work, but he definitely has saved me through a number of writing projects. And this one, especially, for instance, I, you know, did share that I had um, many, many years of using compulsive overeating to um, self-soothe from my trauma. And as a result of this book and finding that right therapist, um, I've been able to recover from that um, and have lost a, 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 reached a much healthier weight. Um, and all because of this book discovered a lot of pattern, unhealthy patterns that I didn't realize were unhealthy in my own mm -hmm. parenting and I know my, my own relationships. So um, that's why in the book, I say very, you know, several times, like, please do not look to me to be the perfect parent because I am not. Okay. Then my dedication actually is to my children who will gleefully tell you how often I fail to take my own advice because <laughs> I do a lot. Um, but again, back to that poor in spirit, I, I, the first beatitude, I write about how that's about being teachable. It's about um, realizing we don't have all the answers and God does and going to him to be taught to receive and to change. I forget which saint said it, but it, you know, to be holy means to change and to be a saint means to change often. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot about, you know, being willing to change the, the things that we have to unlearn what we have learned. Yeah. I feel like I rambled a little bit, maybe a lot. No worries. <laughs> no, that was, that was so good. That was perfect. I mean, wow. I cannot believe you were in adoration. I can believe it because this is how the Lord works. <laughs> but I love how so often it's like, someone should do that. You know, like, I feel like that is how he works so often is like in our little inklings of a thought, like, oh, someone should do that. And then 
it never really goes away because it's just a seed that he's waiting for you to um, say yes to. It's a, it's an invitation. Right. It's that, you know, some, someone should do that. Oh, me, I should do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then the email, I mean, how perfect it's like, that is so the Holy, like just so clearly the Lord, like how that was all set up. And I mean, yeah, talk about an important topic of just like, and it's again, all about healing and finding, and the only, the great healer, the only healer is the Lord. There's so many things out there for getting healing and do these 10 things and you'll get the answer that you need, you know, and it will all be solved, but it's like, it's all of him. Like it's a person that right. is the source of all healing. And until we're able to like realize that and come to that and bring our wounds to, to him, the healer, like nothing, nothing's ultimately going, it might, it might get better or seem better for a little bit, but ultimately like those wounds are still there until the Lord is able to get in there and help you to restoration and redemption and in your story. And I love that about your book is like, now you're able to touch other people that, um, maybe have wounds from their, their past or from parenting and are seeking a way to get that healing and restoration and you're able to like point them in the right direction. So how beautiful that, you know, only the Lord can take something so awful and turn it into something good for other people and for yourself, for your own healing, like you said, too. Yeah, please God. And that's a, the one thing um, that, you know, I, I do try to make clear in the book again, like I'm not a perfect parent and um, I don't want people listening to me. I don't have a degree in mental health services. I'm not licensed. I'm just this, you know, aging mom with a theater degree. <laughs> so don't listen to me. Unless it's when I say go listen to God, because he's the one with the answers. He's the one with the healing. He's the one who, you know, created a world with degrees and mental health professionals. <laughs> So yeah, don't, don't, don't listen to me. Listen to the source, listen to the truth. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So I guess I would love to hear what have been some of your biggest challenges in cultivating your relationship with him and what have been some of your greatest joys? So the challenge and the joy are kind of the same thing. And it's funny because this is a hurdle that I've only really gotten over within the past six months. So this is like since the finishing of that the book really, um, cause it's been in the pipeline and that's trusting God because you know, I have a deep core wound of trust. Um, it, it's hard to trust the all powerful, all knowing, all seeing God who put me with those people. <laughs> it, I'm not gonna lie, that's, that's a big ask, um, but it's been, you know, after finishing the book and, you know, working through more of my trauma and learning more and, you know, developing my support network of um, other fellow survivors that I was really able to connect with God as I call him the God of colic because anybody who's ever had a colicky baby knows that there is nothing you can do to stop the colic crying. It is completely out of our control. Um, I wish I had really 
known and appreciated this at the time that all three of my children had colic, but <laughs> um, God gives us colic as a gift to show our children that we can be there for them where they're at, that we don't need them to feel better for us to want to be with them. Mm-hmm. And so there was this one incident um, several months ago where I had to discipline two of my kids and they were mad at me. They were really, really both of them mad at me and they're both like seething there in the living room with me. And I'm like, okay, I want to go eat Oreos, look at my phone, read a book and leave the room. Like, okay, but I don't want to do that. I want to stay here and show them that I am here for them. However mad they are, however angry, I am going to stay here and be here for them and let them have their feelings. And as I'm sitting there, like looking at them across the couch, I'm like, oh, that's God. That's God the Father. He doesn't need me to change my feelings to make him feel better. He doesn't need me to act better to make him feel better. He accepts me exactly as I am. He accepts each one of us, no matter how loud we're crying, no matter how long we've been colicky, (laughs) he just holds us and is staying there with us. Our emotions don't scare him. He doesn't need us to change them to suit him. And so in that moment, I'm like, oh, okay. That's the God I can trust. I can trust the God of colic. So whenever I'm like feeling, you know, just the pressure of, you know, this, this idea that it's my job to change the emotions of the people around me. So they feel better really. It's so I can feel better. Let's face it. Um, I just try to remember, you know, God, you know, just holding a colicky baby and I'm the colicky baby. That's so just that the struggle has been trust and the joy has been learning how to trust, learning, discovering God's personality as not this big booming dictator who's going to rage at us, but as this gentle presence who stays with us no matter what, no matter what we throw at him, sometimes literally. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. How beautiful. That's amazing. That is so true. And I love how that is such a challenge, but such a joy because it's like when you realize that that's the nature of God, like that is who he is as love itself. It's like, what like it's like the only thing you can trust it's it's the only thing you can rely on and it it, it's just it's the only thing that never changes that that he's just constant and eternal and that he loves us like crazy and he will do anything for us to come closer to him and it's just uh that's that was so beautiful how you put that and there's so much in that just like as a mother with her children that we can learn about the nature of God with us and his love for us. Um, So what have been some of your standout influences on your journey, whether it's a book or a podcast, a speaker retreat, or even a specific sacrament? It sounds like the Eucharist has been really big in your journey, but if there were any others. Definitely the Eucharist and um, the confession. And I, you know, I was thinking about this and it's so hard to just because, all right, I've, I've been doing this for a couple decades now. (laughs) So all of the things that I've read and looked at and, you know, studied and prayed over yada, yada, like there's kind of a lot. So I think what I have to say is, um, 
being welcomed into the family of the Dominicans. Like I said earlier, I'm a lay Dominican. And um, I always say, <laughs> I apologize if this offends any of my um, lay brothers and sisters in other orders, but I always say that the Franciscans are the hippies. Um, the Oblates are sort of like the, the, like the welcoming committee of the school. The, um, the Carmelites are the student council and um, the, the Jesuits are the jocks and the football players and the cheerleaders. The Dominicans are the nerds. We are the nerds of the church. Um, if, for anybody who's unfamiliar with the, the, the Dominican spirituality, it's all about prayer, study, te uh, um, apostolate and community. Okay, sorry, I'm like, oh my goodness, anybody from my chapter is gonna be so embarrassed that I couldn't remember the four pillars of Dominican <laughs> life. Sorry, guys, sorry. <laughs> Prayer, study, community, and apostolate. Um, and just the, the whole idea that we can, you know, really connect with God through learning. I just love learning and always have. And so being a member of the Dominican family, like just claiming you know, obviously the prayer life that's part of that. We pray the rosary daily. We pray um, parts of the liturgy, the hours. But also that my prayer, that my study is part of my prayer is really just so, so cool. And um, also being a member of the Dominican family healed a huge part of my father wound because as my I started having books come out, um, you know, my own family of origin, they don't really the ones that I talk to still <laughs> um, don't really kind of seem ashamed of my writing. And that's really painful. Um, and at, at one time I had recently just kind of had that wound reopened. Like I'm, I'm working so hard and you know, the, the family that I come from is ashamed or not really, you know, celebrating this with me. And I was, it was just aching, aching, aching. And I went to the, uh, the Catholic writers conference, um, obviously pre COVID. And it was so, you know, it, it's always been kind of fun that like, as soon as people at the Catholic Writers Conference or the Catholic Marketing Network, um, which is a, an annual gathering of everybody who sells Catholic stuff, basically. Um, it's a really powerful experience. As soon as they found out that I was a lay Dominican, even if it was through the grapevine, I had all these people coming up to me like, oh, so you're a lay Dominican. Tell me about being a lay Dominican. And at one point I'm like walking around, I'm gonna cry, oh. <laughs> I'm walking around the exhibit hall talking with somebody about lay Dominican life and I felt St. Dominic, again, this doesn't happen to me very often. I felt St. Dominic put his arm around my shoulders and say, this is my daughter, the writer. Wow. And it was just so healing that, you know, for whatever reason, my own father can't, my own earthly father can't be that. And God, the father is so many things to me, but that wasn't enough. You know, he gave me St. Dominic to walk me around these places and say, this is my daughter, the writer. And it's really cool. Oh, so God. that's been, you know, being a member of the Dominican family has been so powerful and so healing and such a gift. And I'm so grateful for it. Wow. Wow. I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> that is so beautiful and so true. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, they're like our little cheerleaders up there being like, you go girl, like look at all these souls that you're touching. Look at all this healing that you're bringing about like in our name and you're making us proud. Like you, like it reminds me of the scripture verse that um, building up, storing up the treasure in heaven, not mm -hmm. on earth, you know? It's like, we don't get to see 
necessarily every impact that we have on this side of heaven, because ultimately we're going to get to see all that in the next life and how beautiful it's going to be to be able to like, yeah, go up to Dominic and be like, remember all these, you know, um, amazing things that, that we, that we did together when I was on earth, like, you know, and all your prayers that were lifting me up because, you know, you know, he's praying for you and all you're doing. And, um, that is just the amazing part about being Catholic is just like, yeah, the family that we have up there rooting for us and cheering. Yeah. The communion of saints. And if I could just spin off on that a little bit for a second with a little piece of encouragement, um, just speaking of the Catholic writers guild, so many of us who write Catholic fiction, it's hard to write Catholic fiction in the world that would rather buy 50 shades of gray. Okay. It's really discouraging. (laughs) (laughs) um, I mean, it's hard enough to write Catholic and sell Catholic nonfiction. Um, but Catholic fiction is even, you know, it, it can be really difficult. There's so much good stuff out there. But the one thing that like, I, you know, like to share, whether you're writing Catholic fiction and having a hard time, or, you know, you're trying to do this ministry and it's not taking off or whatever it is that you feel God is calling you to do. And you're not seeing the kind of success that you were hoping for. Like I would always, you know, one of my hopes is, you know, I'll get to heaven, God willing, and, you know, I'll walk through the gates and there will be all these saints and angels. Oh, you're here. I read your book. You know, so whatever, like you'll, you'll get there. Oh, you're here. I heard your podcast yeah. and whatever the creative, you know, ministry things that people do, you know, oh, you're here. I saw that. I was rooting for you. That it's just the gift of the communion of saints is why wouldn't you be Catholic? Come on, people. Yes, it's amazing. And yes, I love to think about that too. And just like, I think we're going to get to see all the souls that we touch and how we touch them. I'm sure the Lord's going to like give us the gift of that. Like how cool it'll be to, to see the person or the people that have read your book and that were, that were touched because of it, that had healing because of it or where it led them in their journey with the Lord or what happened to their soul because of it, you know, for the good. And to get to like see all those connections and the ways that um, our yes made a difference is just, it's so, it's so amazing to think about and to, and to wait for it's worth the wait, you know, even though people don't get it maybe on this side, but one day, one day uh, they will. And so will we. So uh, also also on on that note um, that well, I'm also looking forward to seeing how God turned my sins into something better. Mm that, you know, by turning them over to him, that he, you know, turned them into treasures because that's the only thing that we can create that we can give to God is our sin. So what's the point of holding on to it? Wow. Wow. Drop the mic on that one. That was like, so drop. <laughs> That is so good. I've never thought about sin like that. It's so true because he brings good out of even the worst of of evils, you know, I mean, look at the cross, like, and just to think about, yeah, our own sin and how, wow, wow. I'm going to be sitting with that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the last question I hope to ask everyone who comes on at the end is, can you share with us one scripture verse that is either speaking to you recently or that has played a foundational role in your journey and why? So hugely instrumental in my entire faith journey, especially at my time of reversion, but ever since has been um, 
John 6, verse 68. And that's right after, you know, Jesus has given, you know, the, the information that I am the bread of life. You're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want eternal life. And all these people leave. And Jesus, again, if, if God's asking a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He turns to the apostles and says, do you want to leave also? And John 6, 68 is where Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I know a lot of people always like, that's Peter's great confession of faith. And he must have said it like, Lord, to whom else shall we go? Well, for me, it has always been like, if there were somewhere else to go, I'd be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is truth and you're it. So I'm stuck, <laughs> which like on the one hand, like now, now that I really see, like, not really see, I have a greater appreciation for the depths of God's patience and merciful love for us. That like hearing that from me all, for all these years, it's got a sting. Like he's, you know, desperate for me to just be there with him. And I'm like, well, I'm stuck. You're it. <laughs> like, that, that, that's got to hurt, but it's what got me here. You know, being willing to say, all right, I don't like it, <laughs> but I like it better than the misery that I've got over there. So, all right, let's, let's row this boat. Let's make it work. And yeah, that's, that, that's been really powerful. Gosh, that is so good. Oh, I love that. And yes, I totally agree. And I love, I love that response. Cause right. It's kind of like, you're crazy, but like, <laughs> I don't know what else, I don't know what else to do, but this is all we got. So we're sticking with this, you know, but, but I love it too. Cause it's honest. Like, it's just honest. Like it's just sharing your heart with the Lord and that's what he wants. Like, even when we think it's wild or make zero sense like he wants us to say lord this makes zero sense but sure <laughs> you know like he wants us to just be honest with him and like wherever we're at that's where he wants us to be as long as we're with him and i think that that is so compelling but i also side note I'm doing the Bible in a year with Father Mike Schmidt. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. And I'm behind a few days. This morning was day 100. And it was all about that. It was that verse. He oh, read was that, it? He read that <laughs> verse this morning. I don't think that is a coincidence at all. So that's a pretty cool God wink, just uh, as an aside. Um, I love getting those because it's such a it's such a little sign of like, I always think of it kind of like we were talking about like a high five from heaven, like mm. keep going. You're doing, you're doing it the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Like God's, God's saying, yeah, I'm part of this conversation. I am part of this relationship. I am active in this relationship. Yeah. You know, he's not just standing, you know, up on some pillar on a cloud somewhere. He's, he's active. It's a relationship. Yeah. I love so it's, that. It's neat to see those things. Yeah. It's like a little wink. Like he's like, Oh, I know you're talking to Aaron later. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I love it. It's so good. Um, Thanks God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a joy and wow. Your story is just, it's incredibly powerful and really hard, but also just to watch the ways that the Lord can take something so awful and turn it into good for, for you your healing and for others now to be able to impact their lives. Um, 
but also just your own reversion story and how crazy that is too, just how you went from atheism and new agey Wiccan stuff to realizing that this was the truth and realizing that you, right, you had nowhere else to go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for, for coming on and sharing your story with us. Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate that. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Have a good one. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for growing some good with us today. Visit us at togrowgood.com slash podcast to find links to everything we mentioned in today's conversation. If you enjoyed today's conversation, would you please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or on whatever app you're listening from? Reviews help podcasts to show up higher in search results so that more people can find these incredible stories of the Lord at work. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend, a family member, or a coworker who might enjoy the conversation as well. Find us on Instagram at to grow good. See you next week.